Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode of Believe is brought to you by Cryptid Coffee Co., Use promo code BELIEVE on checkout for 10% off their angry Yowie coffee blend. Head over to cryptid.com.au to check them out. It was just the most massive thing I've ever seen. To tell you the honest truth, I thought, well, we're the only ones left on this planet. Something's happened. We've missed something here. The fear that went in me when I seen it was just un... Like, the feeling, I'd say it was fear, but I've never felt that feeling before in my entire life. It's a weird feeling. Like, you can't explain it when you don't know. You feel like you're being followed, but you don't know what it is. We had two to our right, another one in front of us, another one to the left, and another one just across the road, shaking the daylight out of the tree. All we get is a big red eye. I remember waking up and looking at the end of the bed and there was a figure there, almost insect-like, and then I blacked out. Welcome to the show, everyone. My name is Cade Moyer, and you are listening to the Believe Paranormal and UFO Podcast. If you have had an encounter and would like to share it, please get in touch with me. My email address is believepod at gmail.com. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to leave us a rating or review wherever you listen and head on over to our website, believepod.com, and consider becoming a member to get bonus episodes and video content. Tonight, I'm joined by Ben Bede, who is the host of an, an absolutely amazing podcast called Missing Panther. And if you haven't listened to this podcast, it has to be one of the most well put together podcast that i've ever ever heard i know ben puts way too much time into editing these episodes because they are they, they are genuinely amazing and ben's laughing you can't hear him right now i have, I have him blocked out but ben welcome to the show hey kate how are you mate it's great to have you on mate i am a big fan of your show uh, and uh, mate, that's not pleasure. even telling porkies because your show <laughs> is genuinely amazing it has to be one of the best produced podcasts in australia hands down Oh, mate, look, I, I, to be honest with you, I really appreciate that compliment, mate. I um, I don't listen to too many podcasts, so I can't compare it to, to much. If I do, it's uh, usually in the background when I'm working. So, I, you know, I don't know. Like, uh, you, you have an idea, and that was my idea, and I've sort of put it together. I've stuck to my, to my guns with the, the style that I've, I've wanted to create and, uh, yeah, just trying to, trying to enjoy the process rather than sort of see it as a, a job. So, yeah, it's been interesting. But, mate, thank you. I appreciate that. No, it, uh, I've had some good feedback. So, yeah, no, it's really good. Yeah, I only have positive things to say about it. And whenever I try to tell someone about your podcast, I kind of say it's like a true crime podcast, but... <laughs> on big cats in australia <laughs> yeah no I, yeah it's um look it, it, I, I wanted it to sound like there was a lot of people working on the production 
and <laughs> to do that it uh, it takes a, a lot of time like i said to you earlier the the editing of the interviews um but not just the editing side of things it's the research that's involved as well like digging around reading government documents um you know replying to emails you know trying to get a response out of certain people certain departments uh the the background work is is it's quite huge um so yeah, the editing part's just—I mean, it's—it's a—it's a big job, but it's—it's it's a small part of the the, the bigger picture. Um, but uh, yeah, I do—I really, yeah, I, I, look, I've enjoyed it, mate. I've got, uh, like I said, I've got another episode in the making for um, this Western Australian story that I've sort of been constructing, um, and I'll probably give it a, a bit of a rest for a while and, and take on a new project. And you know, who knows? I might come back to Panthers at a later date. I, I'm obsessed with the story, so there's there's a good chance. So what got you obsessed? <laughs> with the with the panther because you know this this podcast it it kind of goes down the the realm of you know yowies aliens ufos ghosts and that type of thing and you know panthers is one of these cryptids that is i think one that has more evidence than anything else in australia but no one's really come forward to to talk to me about it which i find super interesting in itself but what what got you hooked on it so much Oh, it's, mate, to be honest, it's a childhood obsession. But you're absolutely right. I guess the difference between our shows, I mean, you're dealing with stuff that's, you know, people see, but, you know, there's no proof that, that they exist. So it's always a tough um, battle for these people trying to sort of prove their stories and, you know, without that, that ridicule. Um, with panthers, you know, we know they exist, you know. They're, you know, there's black leopards in, you know every part of the world we've had black leopards here in australia in, in zoos at times um and uh you know any drag jaguars big cats pumas uh you know mountain lion puma cougar it's all the same same cat but we know they exist you know we, we we've we've seen them i mean the only question that i'm trying to answer is do they exist in australia and if they do how did they get here um and, you know, that's the question, to, you know, to go back to, you know, answer what you, you said. That's that's something I've been sort of battling with for a long time, trying to answer that question. But my obsession, and I explain a lot of this, so I, I try and take people on the journey with me throughout my podcast. Uh, and that was sort of how I uh, constructed this, this whole series was, you know, you know, I'm going to start a podcast, I'm going to call the paper, I'm going to see if I can get a response. Uh, and, and I try to sort of take people on the journey with me uh, right from the very beginning. So I do tell, uh, you know, in the first episode, my story and why I got, I guess, so obsessed with Panthers. And it was it was all based around this, this interesting story uh, when I was about 13 years old with my friend Darren. And, you know, we were big animal lovers. Just, we, we knew everything. You know, our, 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 you know, biggest obsession was reptiles. We loved reptiles. We knew all the scientific names. We, we were kind of reptile nerds. Um, but, you know, just in terms of wildlife, we knew everything that existed around, in and around Bathurst. So, you know, it kind of left us scratching our head when we, you know, found these little creatures high up in this tree. So there was this little spot just on the edge of town that we used to go and just hang out. It was just so, such a cool place. Like it was just a, a kid's dream. You know, there's, there was a, a creek, uh, there was birds, there was, you know, wallabies and foxes and um, these big high, you know, branched willow trees that we used to go and climb and, you know, hang rope from and just swing and just dare each other to do, you know, all sorts of different stuff. And, 
um, there was this uh, duck's nest that we, we'd found by chance because I'd seen this duck just fly out of this hollow. I was like, whoa, geez, that's a big hollow. Um, and I could see that there was a branch that I could actually go up and, and climb uh, to, to stick my head into this this hollow. And when I did, I found these, uh, these duck eggs there. So, you know, we used to go and check these eggs every day. We wanted to see them hatch because we're just obsessed with animals and we just wanted to see the process and, and watch it all happen. And, yeah, there was this, this day, I think it was an afternoon after school, we um, we went back there and it was about, I think it was about three or four k's from, from our actual house. We had to, you know, trespass across these properties and sort of hide from these different property owners. So it was a real adventure just to get there. But it was this one day, you know, I climbed the tree and, and I looked in and I still remember just the buzz it gave me because I, I didn't connect what these things were. I just saw these very little, you know, baby animals that sort of their eyes had barely popped. And I stuck my head in there and Darren's down the bottom of the tree going, what the, have you, what, what's up there? And I was like, I, I didn't want to reach in. I was scared. I didn't want to touch these things. I was so weird. And, you know, I eventually did reach in and grab one. And they were like these cats. They were honestly... Some kind of, I, I look in my childhood memory. I have to be careful about what I say because I I don't know what they are. Everyone says what were they? What do you think they were? I I don't know. All I can tell you is what I remember through my child childhood sort of brain at the time. And I remember that the, the, they were cat. The the heads of these things were feline, definitely cat. And you know, cats are quite obvious, but their their features are really weird. And that's what sort of got me. But I, I wasn't. I didn't ever think this at the time. This is just afterthoughts later, um, you know, when you start to sort of connect the dots because, you know, I, I don't remember ever knowing much about big cats, um, you know, being a possibility in the Aussie bush uh, when I was 13. I don't remember if I even had a thought on it. So, you know, it wasn't something that I sort of suspected at the time. I just remember these these strange creatures. They had very feline heads, like, but very big and dog-like compared to a you know a baby domestic cat but the features were were bizarre that's that's what i remember distinctly the the paws on these things were huge um the the legs were were longer than usual and you know we'd seen heaps of cats before my friend darren's you know before cats were dissexed back in the day where everyone's cats were just having kittens and there was litters everywhere you know next door they'd have a litter and you'd go over and you'd see all these little kittens i just i'd seen plenty of them and these things were just so you get the standard size, you know, tiny little kitten. These things were, I would say, you know, three to four times the size of like a newborn kitten. And I would say these things may, these little guys, I don't know, three, four days old, possibly five days old, but they were well d- developed and their eyes just hadn't popped yet. So, you know, the, you know, to cut a long story short, they, you know, that's what sort of got me into it because we took them home. We 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 tried to look after them. We took them to a vet uh, who gave us some formula to to try and keep these, you know, little bubs alive. I kept two, and and Darren uh, took one home. He's lasted a little bit longer than mine. Mine mine only lasted for uh, about two weeks. Now their eyes did pop. Uh, they were definitely nocturnal too because I was screaming all night and I just remember going to school just you know so tired because I were just next to my bed in this little you know long you know cardboard box with you know like a couple of blankets and stuff in there and they just kept me up all night just just squealing like a it was yeah I can't 
just kind of squealing like a little, like a pig, like a feline-y sort of, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I don't want to say too much there because I don't have, I, I, I remember it as some kind of squealing. Uh, and uh, it's, uh, yeah, mate, my mum threw mine in the bin when they died because she knew I'd get really upset and I was okay with that. I uh, didn't want to see the, the bodies of these things. Uh, Darren's lasted about another week and possibly two weeks longer, actually, because he's actually grew a little bit where we were just looking at this thing going, that's that that's a cat. Well, that's, that's you know, that's a cat, but it's an unusual looking cat. So, you know, he's died and he buried his up in his backyard. We used to call it Pet Cemetery because every, you know, pet that he'd ever owned was buried up in this veggie patch up the back so you know it would have been buried with you know a cockatoo a dog another cat uh many birds all these guinea pigs and just it just would have been a boneyard of just you know pets pets he's had over the years so yeah and look it's it's one of those things um that i keep thinking about you know i always think back and it's, it's one question I want answered, you know. I always say if I went to the pearly gates and God said, okay, you got one question. I always say, well, I want to know, did I have panthers in my possession? <laughs> did What were those things I found in the tree? That's the one question, uh, you know, most of all, all I, I want answered because I still I don't know to this day. And look, look, I think what got me onto the panther, panther thing was, was years later, that uh, my sister put me onto this documentary and she said, hey, have a look at this documentary. There's these baby baby leopard cubs um, and they look a lot like those things you had. So I I remember watching it and just going, wow, okay. I, I just couldn't tell the difference between these baby leopard cubs and what we had in our possession. So, yeah, that's what triggered, I would say, the childhood obsession from then on. I, I was convinced they were, they were Panthers for a long time after that. When I saw that documentary, I was just convinced that, you know, I had found, you know, three baby black leopards in a tree. I don't know why they were in the tree, but they were there. Uh, you know, whatever they were, they were in this duck's hollow. Why did the eggs disappear? I don't know. How did these animals get there? I don't know. Um, it's just been one of those things that it just, I don't know, it just sticks with me and I, I just can never answer the question uh, because I don't think it's usual behaviour either for, for leopards to, you know, cache their young inside a tree. I have heard that they do it. I don't think it's common practice uh, for, for big cats to, to do this. And, you know, I always, you know, let people know I'm not a big cat expert by any means, you know. I'm sort of just piecing the bits bits and pieces together uh, on this. You know, I like to speak to the experts uh, and let them talk on, on the podcast. So, uh, yeah. And, um, yeah, mate, it's just been an interesting journey. And I guess, you know, in my later years, I've been interested in I guess I've always uh, documentary filmmaking was was one of my you know I guess hobbies and and uh, uh, you know things I enjoyed doing um, but uh, podcasting sort of came uh, a little bit later when I realised I was pretty terrible with the camera anyway so you know I might as well <laughs> stick to stick to telling stories and uh, and and just uh, sticking to the audio so yeah mate that's that's what triggered the uh, this this missing panther journey so yeah. Yeah, that's amazing, Ben. It is one of the most incredible origin stories for a podcast that I've ever heard. You know, like, let's, let's, 
let's lean in, like let's have a bit of fun and go, hey, you had, let's say you had some Panthers in your possession at such a young age, you know, like that's, that's genuinely mind blowing to, to think that you were just in that right place at that right time to take these things home with you. And then, you know, like lean into it and then go, what happens if you had this thing for a month, two months, <laughs> three months, you know, and like you could have changed yeah. history. Oh, mate. Oh, look, I've always, I've thought about the future, uh, you know, in these different scenarios where, you know, I did, I was that young boy who, you know, found the, 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 the definitive proof of big cats being in Australia. And it's been from headlines to, to me walking in them round with, you know, on these collars and, uh, you know, just <laughs> you're putting them on show. Uh, it's just, a, yeah, it's, it's really, uh, it's, it's, it's a funny one, mate. I, I've, I don't know. Like it's uh, it's maybe it's better to to remain the mystery that it is because maybe the truth is is more disappointing. But you know, I I, I don't think so. You know, like I, yeah, we took him to a vet. Uh, he didn't want to put a name on it, and I, he he said they could be cats. And and what a weird thing for a vet to say. Where's your you know where's your curiosity, mate? That's that's what I don't. I never understood. We we took him to this this old guy, and we just said, you know, we we found them in the tree. You know, what are they doing there? And he he just said, well, yeah, look, I'm, I'm the same as you. You know, they look, you know, much like their features are very dog like, but yeah, that the, the heads are feline, and you, you probably won't know. Bring them back in, say, a month. You know, when they grow a bit, and we'll be able to get a positive ID. And I, I think back, and I was like, mate. Are you not like beating yourself up? Like, what if if you don't if you can't identify a species? Like, where's your curiosity gone? I would have wanted to just know exactly what they were there and then. So I always found that strange that he didn't know about it. Now the parent the, the reason our parents never really sort of kicked up a stink is because we found them in the tree. Must me and Darren when we were hiking home, we're like, oh geez, if we tell them we found them in a tree, they're gonna say, you know. They're a wild animal that we have to let them go, and we really wanted to keep these things. So we did cook up this story to my parents. I didn't say this in the podcast, so this is a bit of an exclusive for you, mate. <laughs> so the lie, the lie we told our parents were that they were uh, – we found them on the side of the road in a hessian bag. So someone had obviously dumped these, you know, cats there, and we need to look after them. That was our – that was our plan, just so the parents wouldn't say, oh, you've got to let these creatures go. So we pretended they were some kind of domestic animal that was just dumped there. So they never really, I guess, you know, they weren't into animals as much as we were. They are just like, oh, okay, Ben's just brought back something else. Just put it in a box and feed it and see how it goes. <laughs> so <laughs> that was, you know, that was, you know, my parents' introduction. So they weren't really curious. And, mate, to be honest with you, I, I don't think there was much on the panther stuff around that around that time um so you know it wasn't i do remember a story that that triggered my interest in the big cat stuff and it was it came from this little there's a little country town outside of bathurst named rockley now i've tried to look for these articles uh i cannot find them i think they were it was a story in the western advocate probably in the 80s or early 90s i, I can't remember but there was this old man and he he was on the front cover and he was covered in scratches because something 
jumped the fence on his property. It was stirring his dogs. I remember his dogs got really scared and ran inside, which he said never happens. Uh, whatever it was, jumped the fence, scratched the hell out of this this poor old guy because I had the photos on the um you know on the front cover of this paper, and I just remember just being in just amazement at, at what you know, that could have been. Um, and I think they touched on the big cat stuff there. There's, oh, some, you know, you know, crazies believe it's a big cat. But they talked to local uh, authorities who, who'd suggested that this was a pig. Now, I don't know many pigs that could jump a six-foot-high fence. I don't know. I'd like to see it. I've seen the flying pig at, I think, it might have been Dreamworld, the one that jumps in the pool, but that's about the the, the, the biggest vertical leap I've seen in a pig. <laughs> uh, you know, but the, the, the hooves as well, the jumping of the fence and the, the, the scratches, yeah, it just didn't work. So that was the one of the key articles that made me go, okay, perhaps there's something out there. And I remember that was, you know, the sort of start of my journey and then, you know, Mike Williams brought out that the Big Cats Australia book, uh, and, and from there it just, yeah, it just grew. Just hearing other people's accounts, and uh, I think in my mind I knew there was something out there. It wasn't really a, a, a question; it was just, yep, they're out there. Uh, the government's denying it. Obviously, they don't want to put in the the hard work for whatever reason to to find these things. They don't want to put the money together to try and to track these down to learn more about them um so yeah i was convinced uh, you know i was and, and and still am uh to be to be honest with you yeah yeah i'm in the i'm in the same boat as you there ben i am uh the biggest believer of black cats here in australia and and not just black cats you know big cats here in australia because you know australia is the most prime land for a predator of that type to just flourish. And, you know, if if one was let off its leash or, you know, escaped from its cage, there is absolutely no reason that a creature like that could just go and live its best life out in the Australian bush. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Also, are you wanting more content? Why not become a Believe Plus member? You'll get access to exclusive podcasts and episodes that aren't available to the public. Not only that, you'll also get our regular feed without any ads. Head to believepod.com forward slash plus to sign up today for just $5 a month. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, look, there's no doubt. There's there's an abundance of food and there's there's enough game out there. For these, you know, cats to survive without coming down and, 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 you know, spending too much time killing livestock. I mean, I have got the stories of the livestock, but, you know, they're not as common because, I mean, with there's so many kangaroos out there, um, 
you know, just to just to name one, you know, that and they're easy. That's like I spoke to Dr. Johannes Bauer in episode five, and you know, he talked about you know a big cat living in the Australian bush. It, bush, it would just be in paradise because there's no you know there's no predators uh, for a big cat, um, and the amount of food available uh, and and the bushland for it to hide in. Now, I guess you know. It always brings us back to the origin. People always ask me, oh, where do they come from? What's the, you know, how did they get here? <sighs> Look, there's just so many ways a big cat could get here. Like, it's not, um, it's not difficult to work out, you know, just from what I've dug up and, you know, it, you know, the, the amount of stories that came from just looking around circuses. Now, I spoke to, you know, two circus owners that were quite happy to, to chat. You know, one one believed uh, that there's there was big cats out there and, and the other one, one didn't. Robert Perry believed there was big cats out there. He was the son of, you know, the, the, the Perry Brothers Circus, the, the guys who, you know, started up Perry Brothers. who They ran travelling menageries all around Australia for years. And he said stuff just got out all the time. And it was usually just drunken uh, circus truck drivers always crashing uh, and and monkeys getting out. Uh, you know, he told me specifically that his dad <laughs> said that he lost a leopard, a black leopard, wow. when, he was drive- when he was driving through Inverell. Now, this is coming from a circus owner. Now, you know, he's, he's a little bit older now. They don't have the business, so there's... You know, no accountability anymore. It's just stories. So he he saw my ad in a circus magazine. He contacted me straight away, and he goes, oh, "I know the origin of you know these big cats." And but that could just be one you know reason that the people are seeing them. But the the thing interesting thing about <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Robert's story is you know Inverell's not far from a, a little place called Emmerville. Now, it's, you know, it's within thirty kilometers. I think as the crow flies, it's roughly that. You know. Um, there was sightings around Emmerville years after that uh, that they lost one, you know, and if, if a big cat's got, you know, a good 12 years in them, you know, but some say, you know, they can go up to 20 years, you know, if they're living happily, but, you know, a good 12 years. These, these sightings are justified in that area because a bloody cat was lost. It came out of a truck, and that's coming from the mouth of Robert Perry. Now, it's just a story, but is it a coincidence that people are seeing these things in Emmerville, like just people who didn't know about an escape. There was no reported uh, escape. Uh, it was just, oop, lost a leopard. Let's get out of town, guys. Uh, th- there was no reporting it to the police. There was no big search. Uh, he told me it was just like, whoopsie-doo, uh, okay. And, you know, back in the day where paperwork was probably a little bit easy to fudge, you know, Black Panther. What Black Panther? No, we never said we had a Black Panther. Uh, and, you know, years later, Emmerville Panther became a thing. People seeing it everywhere. I spoke to an old guy, Donald Clifford. He was the earliest sighting I had on record uh, in 1958. He's still alive. I think he's 80, 80 plus years years old. Really nice bloke, uh, genuine, you know, bush bushman. No reason to lie. Uh, quite consistent with his story. He was on horseback and just saw this thing just loping alongside the track, just right there. He's watched it for 10 to 15 minutes. Um, and as he, you know, I think he was a young fellow, uh, just working on the farm. Um, and he found a series of, you know, uh, dead kangaroos, uh, you know, not long after. But his story was, I think, reported in papers, you know, in the early years. And, um, 
Yeah, I think he stopped talking about it because he did get a bit of ridicule in the in the papers and stuff like that, and was happy to talk to me because I think it had been so long. Um, but that that I mean, that's an interesting thing to you know, like the the. The the connection the connecting of the dots with that one I think is is quite interesting. But look, circus you know circuses were losing stuff all the time. Um, the uh, the uh, there was a, a zoo in Western Sydney um, where I spoke to the the owner of the zoo. I've just forgotten the names. Bullens Craig Craig Bullen. I spoke to him. Um, I mean they lost you know five five lions got out and just prancing around town. Um, because you know, a kid cut the cage. Okay, I think someone broke broke into the, the zoo um, <clears throat> and uh, cut the wires, and and they had five lions just pran- lions just prancing around town. I mean, that was a quite a public story because I think one of the dogs, uh, a neighbor's dog, was eaten, and I th- think they eventually they put that that lion down. They didn't want to, obviously, but they they had to because it was a as a danger to the public. So you know. Can you imagine all the different scenarios when they, these guys are traveling with these, you know, big cats and dangerous animals and something gets out and you're in the middle of nowhere? What do you do? Just keep on, you just keep on rolling. The possibilities are endless. You know, and then you've got the US mascot theory as well, which is, you know, something else I can talk about for a long time. So, um, but look, like I said, the, the origin of the big cat, Mate, it's it's just the, the the evidence is there as far as I'm concerned, and you know I could go on about you know so many different ways these these cats could get on the loose in the Australian bush, and it doesn't come down to one particular story in my view. There's a few stories, there's quite a few you know reasons that they could be here, uh, but hundreds of stories as well. So you know if only a few of them are true. These cats can find each other, no problem at all. You know, they cover, you know, hundreds of kilometres, you know, to, to, to feed and find their mate. Um, you know, they're not stupid. <laughs> they're a little bit, uh, their senses are a little bit more heightened. Uh, oh, exactly. Now, so. And, you know, they're, they're built for that. Absolutely, mate. They're built to survive. And, you know, it's... You know, look, I think the origin of the big cat is, you know, there's a lot of people debate about it and I'm just like whatever I don't buy into it too much there's a lot of theories out there um but I, I look I I think the one with the bit the most proof if you know people like proof they like hard evidence and I guess if you want hard evidence you know you only have to do a trove search it's tedious work but there's old classifieds you know in the early 19th century of uh, big cats just being sold in pubs in in Melbourne, uh, in 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 Tas- in Launceston, I think I found one in in Perth, or free, uh, in Fremantle, uh, where these big cats. I've got a couple on my Instagram page that I'd, I'd found just so people can have a look at. But that's just for sale to Bengal leopards. Come down to the pub, have a few drinks, and if you're you know interested, buy it. I mean, you know, if if they were so loose about you know, this exotic wildlife trade back in the day and people could just go down anyone. If you've got enough money, you can just buy these big cats. I mean, what happened to these things? You know, like where did they go? Who had, who was tracking the breeding? Who was tracking the movement of these cats? And, you know, these things aren't easy to, to feed. So if, you know, there's an impulse buy on a Sunday afternoon, <laughs> just the, oh, well, you know, a, a Bengal leopard, that'd, that'd please my, you know, rich friends to, you know, pop around and, and see that. You know, these things, they need to be fed. They need to be looked after. So, you know, 
when they become too much of a liability, what do you do? You put it down, you let it go, open the back door. Uh, who, who knows? But look, there's there's a there's a trail of unregulated big cat sales just all throughout the uh, old Australian paper classifieds, um, and that yeah, they can be found. I've I've found quite a few, but um, you know. So, like I said, the the origin they could be from anywhere. It's not impossible. We know that we know the creatures exist. So, you know, it's not hard to believe that maybe a few got out, and you know, maybe they bred, and oh, maybe people are seeing them. You know, because we've had thousands of sightings. Now, you don't have to believe every single case. You know, obviously people mistake things. You know, they the size. You know, they might see a black feral cat and and over exaggerated size sure okay that, i'm sure that happens you know like a wallaby tail also looks like a big panther tail okay sure that happens but thousands of people and then credible people as well who say no i saw the big cat walking 10 to 15 meters away from me i'm not stupid i've been to a zoo i've seen feral cats uh, you know and you're talking wildlife biologists you know smart people environmental scientists um just so many credible sources with no reason to just sort of make this stuff up because I mean, there's no benefit to make this stuff up like if anything it's the opposite you just get ridiculed so it's not like you go oh i'm gonna make up a story and get ridiculed for the rest of my life that sounds fun that's something that i actually notice with your podcast and you know a lot of the people that do come forward is that they do feel like this huge sense of ridicule about the black cat, which, you know, I, I find that so, so fascinating because, you know, I, I talk to people every day of the week who, you know, who see the most amazing and, you know, you know, technically unbelievable things. And the, you know, they, they're, they're so brave coming forward to, to do that. And it just, Absolutely. it boggles my mind that, you know, people, are getting ridiculed for seeing a large cat. For, yeah. for me, it's just like, that is just science. You know, that is just common sense. These things are, <laughs> people own these things in Australia right now. You know, it, it is, it's not that hard to go, you know what? Maybe a handful got away. You know, I'm, I'm actually not crazy. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, mate. And look, you know, like like what you do, I, I provide a platform for these people to be able to share without the, you know, worry of, of ridicule. And, you know, like you said, like, there's no reason for these people to make, make stuff up. And I mean, you cover a broader range of topics than I do. Um, and, you know, it takes a lot for these people to step forward and go, you know what, I'm going to tell my story. It's a, it's a very nerve-wracking thing because, you know, a lot of the time – they either haven't told it before but in fear of ridicule or they have told it and, you know, been absolutely hammered by their friends. So it's, it's, it's a huge step for them to come forward. So, you know, platforms like yours are fantastic to, for these people to sort of, you know, be able to share without the judgment and the ridicule. It's, it's, it's great. And you, you, you do more of a service than you actually realise. And, you know, it takes a lot of emails for people from people to, to tell me this stuff. I didn't really think of this, you know, as a benefit until sort of halfway through, I was getting all these emails like, thank you, thank you, thank you for, you know, providing a space. Thank you for addressing the information sensibly and not laughing at us. And I was like, oh, wow, okay, I'm actually doing a, a bit of a service. You know, I didn't realize that that was, was a thing, but, you know, 
it is. So, yeah, you know, hats off to you, mate, as well. So, you know, it's 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 a good thing uh, that you're doing. Uh, I think it's a good thing that I'm doing as well. Uh, and, and I think these people definitely need to be heard because they've got a story to tell, um, you know. And, yeah, I, I'm sure there's a very, very small minority that are making it up. But, you know, like... I've got a, I've got a good friend, you know. This probably goes onto your your topic uh, a little bit as well. Who you know I've been friends with quite quite some time and childhood friend, and he had a series of traumatic events happen to him uh, within the space of a year. Ter- terrible stuff, deaths. Uh, he got leukemia himself, crap, motor, motorcycle crash. He it was a horrible horrible year for him, and he started seeing and hearing things and he was telling me that like he was talking to people and I was like okay cool because I'm pretty you know open-minded so he's pretty happy to tell me he's like look I'm and I believe him because the one thing he said to me goes look I'm either going insane or this is actually happening now this same guy has gone on and he's doing readings for people now because he channeled what he thought was his own insanity he channeled it into um, something real, you know, uh, you know, speaking to the dead. I'm not sure what that's actually called, but you know, people do do it, speaking to the dead. Apparently, you know, I don't know much about it. And he followed up on it, and he went over to this, you know, I'd call it Hogwarts, some school in England that sort of, you know, works on that craft. Um, and now he does it. I'm just being careful because I haven't, you know, been given permission to share his name. Probably doesn't even know. I'm telling this story so i've just been very careful but he now reads for people and he's very good at it and you know he's getting good results and people are saying wow you know he actually spoke to my dead uncle or dead auntie or dead mother or sister and he's coming back with some really interesting information from the other side uh so you know it's it's just i mean it's interesting you know because i know he got ridiculed quite a bit and you know he's the result of some, you know a positive result of something um, out of all this. So you know it's fine to ridicule, but you know don't you know don't do it unless you know for sure because you know these these people aren't crazy, um, and uh, you know they've got a story to tell, and who knows there might be some truth in it, and that's sort of you know how I feel with with these guys, you know so. And, mate, I agree 100% with you on that. You know, it, it's really no one's place to to say, you know, what someone else experienced was real or, or not because, you know, that's their experience. And it all comes down to, you know, an individual's interpretation of, you know, what they saw because, you know, no one really knows what happened in that moment apart from that one person. Exactly right. Yeah, exactly right. And, you know, like I I get stories all all the time. And look, all I can do is take their word for it, listen to them, make my own uh, judgment on that. You know, I run people through a pretty, you know, sort of confronting set of questions, you know, because I'm seeking the truth as well with these big cats. So, you know, I like to sort of dig around a bit. Now, unfortunately, some people do get the shits with me, you know, like, oh, what, you don't believe me. It's like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm trying to do something here, you know. I, I just don't want to open myself up to, you know, a, just a poor investigation, I suppose, because I, I sort of consider that's what I'm, a very amateur sort of investigation, I would call it. Um, but, you know, I've got to ask the hard questions, you know. Did you, you know, did you see 
the whole thing. How, you know, how dark was it? And could it have been, you know, something else? Uh, did you get a good uh, match of scale? You know, did you see a, a guidepost on the side of the road? So, you know, like yeah, there's there's that side of things as well. So I don't want to do a sort of a half-assed investigation um, and then sort of look back on it and go, oh, I'll let a few stories sort of slide. Like I'm, I'm trying to sort of get these, you know, quality – you know, credible stories out there. So people can listen to this and go, wow, there's something to this big cat thing. I, I never really uh, paid much attention to it. And, and that's what's happening. Like I've had people turn. My mother-in-law for starters, she didn't, she thought it was hilarious that I was doing a podcast on the potential of Panthers, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then now she's like, oh, wow. Okay. Um, Yeah. So she's a believer. And a lot of people are the same because the, People are only exposed to, you know, what mainstream media or whatever are sort of willing to, to, to put on the story. You know, they, they'll put their five-minute spin on it. It's not in their best interest to, um, you know, oh, you know, we're doing a five-minute big cat story. Hey, guys, I'm going to send you out in the bush for, for six months and really get some truth to this. No, they do a couple of Google searches. They get a few basic facts. Uh, and then it's just, you know, like you said, X-Files music and it's, it's, it's easy to poke fun at for them because they've got other things to, you know, report on as well. So it's a very quick, half-assed investigation. And I mean, even, uh, I spoke to Grant Denyer, uh, in, in episode two, you know, cause he, he's had a few encounters out on his property in Bathurst and I was fortunate enough to talk to Grant and he, he was a young journo as well. And he, cause I said to him, I said, look, why hasn't anyone really done anything decent on this? And he just admitted, he goes, journos are lazy. <laughs> That's what he said. He goes, Honestly, mate, he goes, look, we do a quick search. Uh, and he said exactly what I said. And I said, like, okay, thank you for clearing that up. <laughs> so, you know, there's a bit of background insight into, you know, the, the, the world of journalism. So, yeah, now I'm just trying to put a different spin on it. And I think people are, are thankful for it because, you know, I'm providing a platform for, for stuff that doesn't get reported, you know, that is quite credible. Yeah, I think you're doing a fantastic job. And, Thanks, you know, mate. the, the content that you're putting out, it is genuinely world-class. Mm. It is amazing. It makes me mm. look like the world's laziest podcaster compared <laughs> to you. <laughs> well, you've got 10 times more episodes than me, mate, so you're doing something right. I uh, I take a long time to, to, to produce these. Uh, and, and like I said, it's a bit of fun. You know, I've got young kids. You know, it's a bit of a hobby for me. You know, I, I squeeze in interviews when I can. I squeeze in research, you know, in the dark of night when the kids are in bed. And sometimes that never even happens. So it's just kind of like I chip away at it. I have no deadlines. I have no sponsors. And in a way, it's kind of a good thing because I just do it at my own pace. I produce something that I'm happy with. Um, yeah, and no, I'm just happy to sort of, you know, plug away and c continue like that because I can sort of look back and go, oh, there's you know, some honest work that I've done, um, you know, knowing that I didn't have someone looking over my shoulder uh, telling me what to do. So, yeah, I, I'm, I enjoy that sort of thing. Sometimes it can be a bit tedious, but, um, you know, the rewards are when you, you, you release that episode and... You know, it, it, you know, people are happy and you get all the compliments and, you know, I even, I, I sometimes listen back. Um, I, although I hate the sound of my own voice. I just, that's one thing I can't stand, but it's a podcast. So I've got to, got to deal with it. Right. So, but, and, and you got it and you got, when you're editing, you've got to listen to it. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's been rewarding, mate. It's, 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 uh, 
I'm quite quite happy with with what's come of it so far. And look, like I said, you know, I've got this next episode. Um, it's a part two series of Cougar Country uh, Western Australian episodes. It'll be my last for a while, but it's not going to be my last. I've got a few few other ideas up my sleeve, but you know, I'm relying on some uh, pretty, uh, you know. I'm relying on other people to sort of come forward and and share. Um, maybe a government official um, to sort of come out of the woodwork, but who knows? I don't want to speak too soon. Well, you never know, mate. You you could just have that person listening to this podcast, and who knows? They might just reach out to you. Oh, mate, look, I'm I'm open to anything. You know, like if if someone's got a story to tell, if they know someone that's you know had a big cat in their backyard, you know. Uh, I know, you know, there's smuggling rings and stuff like that. And look, you know, it's not hard to believe that they, they get out. And people say, well, where's the proof? There, there, There is one little piece of proof, and it goes back to 1985 in Broken Hill. A police officer was called out to a, a job, a truck, a, <clears throat> I think it was a road worker, uh, reported a lion just sitting on the side of the road. And we're not talking black cats. I know we're talking lions. It's a different thing. But this is just proof that they can get out and no one puts their hand up. So where did this bloody cat come from? So this police officer goes out to the job, gets a high-powered rifle, thinking it was not even a thing, you know, gets out there. And sure as hell, there's this big bloody lioness sitting on the side of the road. Um... It was shot, unfortunately, because they made the call that it was in the best interest of, you know, the you know the public to not have a lion roaming around. So that's the call he made. It could have been the right call. I'm sure if the lion went and tore up the, the, the nearest village, he would have had questions to answer. So he, he shot it dead. Now, that was 1985, and that's, that's another unsolved mystery. No one has owned up to owning that lion. But wow. there was... And that that that's documented, so you can you can Google search that. I'm I'm sure that'll pop up in quite a few. The 1985 uh, lioness in in Broken Hill. I'm sure if you put those keywords, and you, you'll you'll find a couple of stories. Uh, now, th- there was a couple of rumours that a circus, uh, not sort of not a circus, sorry, a travelling uh, menagerie was going from. Look, I don't know the details. It was either Sydney to Perth or Gold Coast to Perth. But either way, it had to pass through Broken Hill. And this was told to me by the local vet. Um, (laughs) He basically said, look, they came through town. They had nine lines on the truck. When it got to Perth, there was eight. And he knows that for a fact. (laughs) And he goes, he said, you know, figure that one out. So, so that's one, but that's, you know, that's his word. And like, he seemed pretty adamant that that's, that's how it happened. Uh, a couple of people believe that, you know, someone actually had a pet one, um, in town, but either way, it was a big cat. It was on the loose in the Aussie bush and there was no one, no one claimed it. So there's your big cat in the Aussie bush, you know, proven it's, uh, you know, a definitive proof that it, it, it did happen. You don't hear about it much. Um, but you know, it doesn't explain big cats, but it definitely shows that, you know, even as early, late as 1985, it, it does happen and can happen, um, quite easily. So, you know, figure that one out. I guess one of the other questions that I do get asked a lot as well, which is probably on your list as well, but I just thought I'd, I'd bring it up on, you know, while it's on the 
forefront of my mind is, you know, why haven't we got that photo? Why haven't we got that uh, definitive piece of evidence? And look, to be honest, I don't think if one photo is going to, you know, convince everyone anyway. I, I think it's going to it's going to be a lot have to take a lot more than just a photo. But, you know, it's I put it down to this, you know, I just had an interesting conversation with a wildlife biologist who lives in Vancouver Island. Her name's Lynn Hancock, and she's going to come in my next episode. And I asked her that question. I said, look, what is going on? Like, can they really hide for this long? Uh, Can they really be invisible for this long? And that's not to say that people aren't seeing them because people are obviously seeing them, but no one's getting photos. Now, with the whole photo thing, you know... Who the heck has their camera ready? Mm-hmm. You know, you, yep. you, look, I, I challenge anyone, give you two weeks, go out and get me a really crystal clear photo of a fox or, you know, a dingo or something like that. There's two weeks. Of, see how well you do. Um, or, you know, if one prances in front of you, get your camera out, get a shot. Show us how good you are. You know, give us that crystal clear shot it's really bloody hard like anyone who knows anything about photography knows it's not easy getting good shots of wildlife they're just constantly moving and uh it's 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 not it's not difficult um but in terms of their their hiding for so long that's the one of the questions that i always wanted answered and and, and lynn hancock made a good point she lives in vancouver they've got the highest population density of, of cougars in the world i believe um, you know, on this on this particular island. Now, biologists go there to, to look for them all the time, and there's people actively looking for them constantly, and they know there's there's a count of, I don't know how they count them, but I think it's in the 700s or something in this, in this small area, and that's a lot of cougars. Um, they, they, they really struggle to get photos, and they can go years without seeing them, like unreported uh, f- for that long, so you're talking in, in the place where they, we know they exist, where they where they live, and there's hundreds of them, and you can't get a photo. You cannot see them sometimes. It's it's usually only by chance. And she said, "Look, you'll only see them if they want you to see them because they they are so smart." And you know, I guess it's you know when you when you're built to survive like these cats are, you know, you smell. You know, dirty humans walking from a mile away, the noise. You know, we're not built for the bush. So they they know where we are. They they can see if they want to hide, they can hide. So, you know, I guess, you know, when you're talking comparatively to potential of big cats in Australia where the population might be, say, quite smaller, you know, quite controlled, you're not... Yeah, it's it's not going to be very easy to send a team out there and 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 photograph these things. You know, when you're comparing to Vancouver Island, where they have game cameras all the time, just everywhere, constantly, rarely get a photo. So you know that that answers that question for me. It might not convince others who are skeptics. Sure, that's fine. You can believe what you want, but to me, it answers a lot of questions because people are seeing something. There's no question about it. They're seeing something. So, you know, the question is, you know, what is it? Uh, and that's, you know, it's going to be a mystery for a long time. And that's what I love about it. <laughs> you and me both, mate. It's <laughs> it's one of these things where the, the weird and the unusual, I almost just don't ever want to find an answer because <laughs> I have this weird romantic idea of, you know, these things always being on the run and, you know, just out of sight. 
So we just never, never know. Yeah, it was funny. I was, well, I think I was up to about episode three and I was getting sent all these articles and I started panicking because I just read the headlines like, oh, big cat found in, I think it was the Hunter Valley. And I was like, oh, shit, not before I finish my series. I don't want it, <laughs> I don't want it solved yet. Stop it. Just hold off. I'm, give me another year to get these episodes off the ground. But, you know, it's, it's always a, a blurry photo, you know, from a distance, hard to tell scale. Um, and the media, you know, usually put their spin on it to make it, you know, the, the person who reported it feel stupid anyway. So it sort of gets shut down. And I'm not saying I'm glad for that person at all by any means, but, you know, I was kind of glad that it wasn't solved, to be honest with you. I, I, I just don't know what would happen. Like, what, what, what is going to happen if someone said, reports a very clear photo? You know, I can only imagine that it's going to get taken out. And to be honest, yeah, that's not what I want. I, I don't want the thing taken. I don't want it stuffed sitting in a museum going, yay, we were all right. Told you. Uh, I, I don't want that for the sake of, you know, the mystery, you know, just continuing on and for the survival of that species. I'd be happy for it not to be solved. I'm happy to be ridiculed and, 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 and laughed at. It's, I find it humorous. I enjoy it. Uh, you know, I, I, I guess. I just don't know what would happen. You know, the government response, I don't think it's one that I would would like. And I assume that means going out there and, and, and taking out taking them out and, you know, because you're not going to catch it. I know. I, I, can you imagine, you know, the, our well-trained big cat, you know, team going out there with their big cast nets, uh, you know, to... <laughs> to catch this thing and put it in a zoo, it just—it's—it's comical. It's not—it's not, it's not going to happen. So, yeah, it's—it's it's a mystery that I'm—I'm I'm happy to to never be solved. You know, I would like a couple more clearer shots, a little bit clearer video, to be honest. Um, but yeah, that's that's a tricky one, and um, could uh, yeah, could could just stir up unnecessary attention for it. So yeah, mate, I'm happy for it to remain in the shadows, and I just enjoy the stories and you know all this, these you know little pieces of evidence that sort of pop out um you know there's just there's just way too much way too much evidence you know ben you've been the most interesting person and easiest person to interview in the oh. in the history of the podcast mate you get a podcaster <laughs> to come on your show and they can just do all the talking that's a hot <laughs> tip for anyone <laughs> thanks mate no no my pleasure mate and, and thanks for for what you're doing and uh you know i appreciate you letting me come on and and uh, share my story and yeah look if anyone wants to reach out to me um my webpage missingpanther.com.au there's a contact page there and if you've got a story uh you know i always say you don't have to come on the podcast i think a lot of people are worried that i'm going to be recording a as soon as I pick up the phone, that's not the case. I'm just, I'm interested in what you've got to say. Um, you know, everything's confidential uh, until we discuss otherwise. So, you know, it's a safe space for, you know, reporting. And, um, yeah, I'd always be happy to chat and, um, yeah, talk about what you what you know and, and what you've seen. So, yeah, feel free to reach out. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Believe Paranormal and UFO podcast. If you have had an encounter and you would like to share it, please get in touch with me. My email address is believepod at gmail.com. Finally, don't forget to follow us on all our social media outlets and be sure to join our Discord server to talk to other listeners of the show. You'll find all these links in our show notes. Thank you. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.